I've been growing my hair out ever since that I found out I was going to be up here to try to mimic John Ray. So um, let's, let's go ahead and uh, let's start off today with some prayer. God, thank you for this time that we have here together today. I thank you for the words that we're able to witness here as you shared with the disciples um, your last instructions with them before you ascended. I pray that you would open our hearts and our lives to understand what they mean to us today and allow that to be something that transforms us and that we are able to love and share with the community around us because of that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, well, uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is Ryan Grace, and I'm a member here at Grace Church. And I've had the privilege of, of getting together with the teaching team on Tuesday mornings here at Grace. It's a group of people that um, collaboratively come together and talk about what we're going to share here Sunday mornings and um, really work together to do that. And the passage that we're going to be studying today is the very end of the book of Matthew. We've been going through Matthew for the last several months, and today we get kind of the perfect summary of what has been taught in the book of Matthew. And it's also the perfect transition to what we're studying this summer in Acts. So we get to hear the last words that Jesus shared with his disciples, and we get to see in the book of Acts what they did and how they applied this to their lives. So let's go ahead and read through the text. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All right, so we're going to be working through this scripture here today, but before we get very far into it, let's get one, one thing from this passage clear. Let's go back to verse 18. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and we need to make clear this is not my authority. This is Jesus' authority, so just because I'm up here, just because I have a microphone, um, don't let that confuse you. <laughs> Take what, what's said here today, wrestle with it, see what Jesus wants to teach you, and how to apply that to your life. This passage is referred to as the Great Commission. It's one of the most famous passages in the book of Matthew. And it's typically taught in one of two different ways. The first way is teaching about it as the call to go to global missions, the call to go to all nations. And the second way is the foundation for the call to discipleship. And um, that's something that is typically taught, but I'd like to deviate a little bit from that today because what I've found through discussions with a lot of people as we talked about this passage and even as we talked Tuesday morning at a teaching mean, uh, meeting is that there's actually a lot of baggage that people carry from some of these verses and, and some of the ways that it's taught. You see, the, the call to global missions and the way that it's taught many times is left feeling people or pe with people feeling on Monday morning if they're not headed on a plane to go somewhere overseas or to provide support for a missionary who is that they've somehow let them been let down and not implemented this in their life. And likewise, when it's taught about discipleship, 
It's often taught in such a way that there's some 10-step program for what it looks like to implement discipleship, and, and maybe that's what we do here at Grace Church. And if you don't fit into that framework, if it doesn't resonate to you, then it can leave you feeling the same way. And Ryan Jackson pointed out this week in teaching team that while it can be taught in one of those two different ways that almost always people leave feeling that it's communicated, this is the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples, do not screw it up. And I definitely felt that pressure as I started to prepare over the last few weeks. I felt the pressure um, as I talked to other people. I sensed that in how they had emotionally engaged with this passage, and I hope that we can take it a different direction today. Um, Look, I'm certainly not against discipleship or going to all nations, and I definitely don't think that Jesus was, but I think the baggage that's handed down with some of that teaching is not something um, that we want to carry with us. So what I hope for us to do today is to be able to collectively put that baggage behind us and to look at the Scripture and allow it to be something that Christ takes and teaches us and establishes maybe a very basic understanding of what discipleship means. So to be completely transparent, when I signed up to teach, I signed up because discipleship felt like something familiar to me, and I needed something familiar to get up here for the first time and talk. I needed that level of comfort, and I wanted to do that um, in order to step out of my comfort zone. I thought I can pull from some of my past experiences. I can do some research and maybe come up with one of those 10-step programs of what it looks like to implement discipleship at Grace Church. And I am, in fact, primarily going to be talking about discipleship today, but I hope that it's in a way that changes your understanding of, or view of this scripture and gets rid of some of the baggage that maybe you're carrying into this. So I had a lot of help in preparation for this week, and one of the groups that helped through that process is a, is a small group of people here at Grace that's been getting together and talking about what does discipleship mean, what does it mean for us at Grace, and, and what does that look like. And that really informed a lot of how I plan to teach on this passage today. There were, there were three things, three sentiments that came out of our discussions from our first meeting in that group that I think need to be addressed um, the first one is what I'm calling discipleship, disciple what? And um, as Inigo Montoya puts here in this meme, uh, discipleship's a word that we're all kind of familiar with. Um, it's something we talk about, but as we broke it down in this group and this discussion, it wasn't something that we really had common understanding or common language around what that is. And I think that's partially because discipleship's not a word that we use outside of the context of church. We're not using it in the workplace. If you look up at the, in the dictionary, it's the fourth definition before you get to a definition that doesn't include something that ties to Christianity. And so hopefully we can clarify that a little bit today. The, the second thing I'm calling discipleship someday, some way. And so while we couldn't agree necessarily on exactly what the definition of discipleship was, what we did all agree or feel was that none of us were qualified to engage in discipleship, that it wasn't something that we were qualified for, maybe we weren't skilled enough, maybe we weren't old enough, um, or hadn't had that life experience. Maybe it was something that we could do someday, 
but it certainly wasn't something that we felt comfortable doing today. And the third thing was discipleship. What's that formula again? And what we meant here is that while we didn't know what discipleship was, we felt like there was this pressure, this kind of underlying assumption that there was a correct way to do discipleship. We didn't know exactly what it was, but we felt like that was out there and that we did need to find it. And I think that this is part of the byproduct of it being taught as there's a 10-step way to do discipleship, that there's this expectation that we all have that there's a certain way to do it and it can be paralyzing to understand what it looks like to engage in it. So let's, we're going to dig into each of these a little bit more. So let's jump back to the very first one and start talking about what it means, what discipleship means, and try to get a definition, something working that we can all kind of understand as we continue in our talk today, as we continue in our conversations here at Grace, and even through the study of Acts that we have. So when I started trying to define discipleship and dig into that a little bit more, I understood very quickly why we didn't have a definition for discipleship. It's because there's not a verse earlier in Matthew that clearly outlines what discipleship is. There's not a passage in some other book that shows what discipleship is. I found that discipleship was a culmination of everything that Jesus taught throughout the entire book of Matthew, throughout the entire scripture. It's not defined by a verse. It's defined by all of that. And so I started studying and trying to find some succinct way of, of being able to communicate about discipleship, something I was comfortable with that wasn't more narrowly defined than we should be defining it as. And I came across Dietrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship and how he defined it. He described it as discipleship is taking everything in life and allowing Christ to mediate between us and it. And when I first read it, it didn't mean a whole lot to me, honestly. It seemed a little bit academic, um, and maybe some of you are feeling that same way right now, but I hope that as we go through this, we can put a little more meat on the bones of that definition and have it be something that we come to better understand. You see, Bonhoeffer meant that allowing Christ to mediate between us and everything means us and our daily needs us and our health, the health of our loved ones, between us and all of our emotions, our relationships, and maybe most importantly, between us and the fruits of our ministry. It's essentially submitting to the authority that Christ is talking about in this passage that he has. Christ has been giving, given all authority. Are we submitting that to that in our life? Bonhoeffer saw here that Jesus calls us to baptize, to be baptized, and to baptize others. And that's what baptism symbolizes. It's death to our life and to sin, and it's a new life in Christ. But while this is a physical act that's something we do one time, it's something that we engage in continuously. It's rinse and repeat over and over again, minute by minute, submission to Christ in every single aspect of our lives. And as I started to understand it a little bit better through that context, it was a little bit offensive to me. I realized that another way you can say that is it's giving up control in every single 
aspect of your life, and I like control. If you don't believe me, you can ask my friends, my family, Carly. Um, I think we all kind of like control. And I think because it offended me, I thought for a second, you know what? I mean, who's this Bonhoeffer guy? You know, does he really know what he's talking about? I mean, what kind of name is that anyways, right? So, it's a German name, by the way. Um, but I thought maybe, maybe this doesn't hold water. So I reread Matthew, and I looked at it, and I said, okay, is there, is there a lens that I can look and see and understand the Scripture through that definition? And as I did that, and I looked through the verses in Matthew, I found example after example of Christ's teaching where he taught and exposed. It was a small summary of some of the verses that stuck out and what it looked like for Christ to mediate between us and the things in our life. If you think back to the story of the rich young ruler where Christ exposed and brought to the surface the idol that he had of his wealth and his possessions that was keeping him from fully following Christ. You can think back to the multiple stories of people bringing their health the health of their loved ones, and bringing that before Jesus and allowing him to mediate and bring healing into those situations. Even the disciples, when Jesus called them, they left their jobs and followed him. They left their livelihoods. They put their careers behind them. And there's many, many more examples. Let's go on to the next topic that we learned from the group. Discipleship, some way, someday. Feeling that discipleship is unachievable, feeling like it's something that others were called to do and that maybe we would be called into someday. But I believe that discipleship is something that we're all called to do, that it's something that we're all currently doing, whether we realize it or not. You see, back to the fourth definition of discipleship, it's defined as a person who is a pupil or adherent to the doctrines of another. It's a follower. It's something that we're all doing, that we are all being subjected to day in, day out. You see, we're not created as beings of authority. We're created as beings under authority. And we are being influenced by the people, the values, and the ideologies in our life. How many people in here have kids? I guess based on the group up here earlier, it seems like all of us do pretty much. Um... Parenting is discipleship. I mean, we were, Alex was talking up here and sharing about our kids being in here with us for worship. As our kids watch us engage in worship, that is discipleship. It's showing them what we value. It's showing them what it looks like to worship God. We do that every day in our homes when we model what we spend our time on, and they watch and they see that. They see it in the ways that we communicate with them when we're frustrated with them. They see it when we listen, when we don't listen. Is this something that we're allowing Christ to mediate between us and the way we interact with our kids? Could probably spend all day on that. So it isn't a matter of whether we're qualified to disciple. It's a matter of what we are discipling to and what we are allowing ourselves to be discipled by. So if you walked in here today feeling like you were not qualified to disciple, hopefully you can realize that discipleship is something that you're already engaged in. 
I think you can also find comfort looking back to the passage and seeing that the founders of the Christian church, the disciples, in the moment, in verse 17, you can see Matthew shares with us that some of the disciples doubted in that moment. And I think when we doubt, it's easy to feel shame and be paralyzed or disengage from what Jesus is calling us to do, feel like we're not qualified to do that. But if you look at Jesus' response here, he transitions from that doubt immediately into unflinchingly trusting them to take his message to all nations. He didn't shame them. He didn't tell them that he was disappointed in them. I mean, these are the guys that spent years with Jesus on the earth with him. I mean, if you're doubting, they saw him do miracles. They saw him teaching. They saw him crucified and raised from the dead. I don't think that we should be surprised when we have some doubts. And we shouldn't feel shame around that. So I think that often when we think about this, the God in our imagination thinks that the way that he should have responded to his disciples here is something along the lines of saying, like, kidding me? Come on, guys. Like, did you not see all the miracles that I did? Do you not remember that? I knew I should have gone out and recruited more than a bunch of dang fishermen. No, that's not how Christ saw them. That's not how Christ sees us. It's not how Christ sees you. So if you're someone who feels like this, you're in good company. Don't beat yourself up. Don't be surprised by the doubts or the doubts of the others in your life. Think about it again. What Jesus says here is that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. You see, the only thing that qualified the disciples to start the Christian church was that it was an act of obedience to what Jesus was calling them to do. He wasn't putting it on their shoulders. He wasn't, you know, expecting them to, to carry the weight of all of that. And if you look in our study of Acts, you're going to see they didn't know what they were doing. They, they made some missteps. We still make missteps today. That's why I had to start out this morning making sure that you guys were going to take whatever I say today and wrestle with it before Christ because there's a lot of work to be done. We're simply called just to listen and obey. And when we bog down in the stress and the fear of whether we're qualified to follow Christ or not, we're missing participating in the work that he's doing. Think back to the parable of the sower. We're not responsible for the growth of the seed or for it taking root or for the long-term sustenance. That's the work of the one who has all authority. The last thing, discipleship. What's that formula again? So this, this is speaking to the fact that we all feel like there's a right way to do discipleship um, and that we end up paralyzed in that oftentimes. And I think we tend to think there's someone else who's qualified to do this. And, and returning to the definition by Bonhoeffer, where he talks about discipleship being between us and Christ, we can unwind that there's some 10-step program out there to do discipleship, to do it the right way. Because by this very definition, discipleship is defined between Christ and us. So that looks different for every single one of us. 
It's a way that he interacts with us and enters the space of where we're at. So it's going to look different for Kenny than it does for Darrell or it does for Lindsay, and that's okay. I think it's actually a beautiful thing that God's designed. So earlier in Matthew, we were called not to judge, and part of that is because we do not know what Christ is doing in the life of each of us. And that's not an excuse. It's not a get-out-of-jail card to be like, hey, man, that's between me and Jesus, and just continue on doing whatever you want. We are only doing discipleship when we are engaging in the constant submission between us and Christ. It's nothing more and nothing less. We have to be constantly submitting to Christ. So as I prepared to get up here and teach, I wrestled with this very personally. Getting up here for the first time, was, it's way out of my comfort zone. It's not anything I've ever done before. And a couple of weeks ago, I found myself paralyzed, feeling the stress um, and suffocated at the thought of coming up here. Um, you see, I felt the pressure and the aspiration to come up here and be John Ray, to deliver a message like Donnie. And as I wrestle with this, I, I come to realize that while I have a tremendous amount of respect for both of them and I've learned a lot from them, I was allowing that aspiration to come between me and what is communicated up here today. I wasn't allowing that to be something that I was fully submitting to Christ. I was allowing the aspiration to have you guys think that I said something meaningful up here or said it well to come between me and Christ. And as Christ changed that in me and helped me work through that, I moved from that place of being paralyzed, stressed, and suffocated to feeling freedom, joy, and anticipation in coming up here today and being able to share with you guys what Christ has been teaching me over the last few weeks. And through that process, it struck me that maybe discipleship is just that. It's just the process of allowing Christ to mediate in our lives and change us and engaging that with the community that we have here together. For some, that may be answering Jesus' call in your life to go to all nations, to get on a plane and go somewhere. But for many of you, that will be to just answer and listen to him today, tomorrow, whatever it is that he's calling you to do in the community that he's calling you to do that in. One last thing from Bonhoeffer's definition that really stuck out to me is I think when I was looking for a definition of discipleship, I was expecting to find something that was going to be some, a process or a practice that you performed on someone else. That was something that you stuck people through and put them through a process. But rather, this definition shows that discipleship is just submitting to Christ and allowing him to change ourselves and that impacting the lives of those around us as we submit to that and go through that. It's not a program. It's a lifestyle, a lifestyle of just submitting ourselves repeatedly to Christ and community. So as we go to our study of Acts this summer, let us think about our own lives as we see how the disciples answered this call, how they responded and what that looked like. Let us wrestle with Christ and see what he wants to teach us they just answered his call one day at a time, and I think we're to do the same. 
At Grace Church, one of the things that we say is that we're here practicing church, and I think we need to protect that because of what that means is that it's okay to come here and be alongside the next person. No one's better than the person next to them. No one's any different or further along. We're all just here in the process of practicing submitting to Christ every single day in community with one another. And I hope you find the freedom and the peace that I found as I went through that process and I reoriented some areas that I didn't submit to Christ properly. The worship team can go ahead and and come back up. 